Okay, everybody, we decided to take this week off, so here's one of our classic episodes. Hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of All Too Real 2. My name is Michael E. Collin II, and with me via the interwebs or something is... Matthew... Um... Uh... Haas. Did you forget your last name? I was gonna change it again, but I forgot what to change it to, so... Oh, okay. That's not going to keep it. Just yeah. keep it as Matthew Haas. For now. Okay. If you decide to change it any time during the podcast, let me know. I, I probably will, so. Okay. <clears throat> so today on our show, we're revisiting one of our favorite movies from the 90s. The 1998 teen comedy, Can't Hardly Wait which is a film that was directed by Deborah Kaplan and Henry Elfont, who also both wrote the script. Um, and it stars a big ensemble cast that includes Ethan Embry, Charlie um, Cosmo, <clears throat> Lauren Ambrose, Peter Facinelli, Seth Green, Jennifer Love Hewitt, among a bazillion other people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah. Yeah. We, we've just decided that we're going to venture down the road of <clears throat> some movies that are so- somewhat overlooked, but also good. You know, they're not like the the most remembered from this time, but this one's pretty well remembered, though. I mean, it's uh, got a pretty big uh, cult following. Yeah, this one is um, kind of, well, it was, it was kind of famous during its time as well when it came out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, it did make uh, $25 million at the box office, which, <clears throat> oh, you know, you yeah. For a teen comedy at that time, is, isn't bad. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, 98. This was, this was before Not Another Teen Movie came out and all that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, well, Not Another Teen <clears throat> Movie was making fun of this one in certain points, too, so. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And this was kind of around the American Pie time and stuff like that, too, I think. Maybe right before it. Yeah, remember. I think it was right yeah. before. Because yeah. American Pie came out in 1999, I think. And yeah. this came out the summer before, maybe like a year before. And which is interesting. You can sort of tell because, I don't know, 
it's got that 90s feeling again kind of like with bond water but bond water was more of like a kind of like art film type of kind of mm-hmm. but this is for uh mainstream yeah but uh it really does have that like mid to late 90s kind of like i like to call it basically like nostalgia before they're even having being nostalgic about something that's kind of got like this um i don't know how to explain it <laughs> like, um, yeah it's like a it's almost like a throwback to, in certain ways, like a, the John Hughes type films and stuff of that nature, but set in the nineties, you know. Yeah, like um, and I, I just want to say really quick because um, before I forget, but um, you know, like I, I'll watch like movies from like the seventies or whatever, and I'll and like the whole that whole thing will kind of feel like nostalgia to me, like but like before my time because everything came before my time so like you know i'm hearing like you know music from like Jimi hendrix or whatever you know and i'm like oh man like you know everything's set in the 70s or whatever and then i watched can you know this movie and i'm like thinking like oh that song that they're playing came out the year that this movie itself came out as and i'm sitting there thinking like it's a totally different feeling for me because like I like I saw the movie and heard those songs at the same exact time in my life. Yeah, it, it had a totally different feeling than like watching like a movie from the early seventies that has like Jimi Hendrix in there because both of those things are kind of retro to me at the same time. But at that time, though, that Jimi Hendrix song was only like two years old before it got in that movie or whatever. Yeah, I mean that's it's it, it's 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 like the. It's funny, like, with this, though, like, the, the soundtrack is basically, like, if I were to make a period piece right now for that time and create a soundtrack for the mo- for, for that movie that I'm making about that time, I would probably just use this soundtrack. Right. Well, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, like, Smash Mouth, they played two of their songs. Hey, I mean, you got, like, uh, Smash Mouth, Eve 6, uh, there was, like, uh, I don't know, there was a bunch of different, you know, 90s bands in there from that time period blink 182 different things like that yeah 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 blink 182 yeah eve six that was the beginning song in the intro yeah eve six song and um of course barry manilow but that was the retro part for that movie yeah uh because that was you know mandy okay yeah anyway i just, I just want to throw that out oh, also too before i forget <clears throat> because I'm, i must be doing like these weird like inception like things to myself without knowing about it because like I was watching, you know, DC Star Girl, and then that gave that gave me the idea to watch Blonde Water probably because they both have Luke Wilson. But also, watching Blonde Water may have gotten me gave me the idea to pick this one because at the very end of the movie, both movies have a UFO floating above two people at the very end. I don't know if that was a '90s thing too or what, but yeah, and thought that was interesting. Don't worry, it's not a plot spoiler. It's got nothing to do with the movie. But. Plus, uh. Peter Facinelli was on Supergirl, so there you go. <laughs> well, he was, yeah, like the uh, first season or something. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, um, the the like the really wealthy dude, right? Yeah, uh, he was like Lord or something was his last name, I think. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, plus, uh, he was also in um the Big Kahuna. It's a really good movie. Oh yeah, that's an awesome movie. Regardless, just, regardless of the like, regardless of the fact that uh Kevin Spacey's on it. Well, yeah, he's a piece of shit, but whatever. (laughs) 
Yeah, Kevin oh. Spacey is a piece of shit. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> but that was a good movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. Danny DeVito's in it. Uh, the other guy is. <laughs> Peter Facinelli. <laughs> there you go. Yes, uh, him. The guy we just watched. Stuff. Yep. yep. <laughs> yes. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lot of good stuff. He's a good, great actor. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, he's probably best known for the for playing Carlisle Cullen in the uh, Twilight movies. Really? I've never seen those movies, so I didn't, I didn't know that. I've only seen one of them. Oh. And that's all I'll see. Um. Anyways, <laughs> um, for the movie that stole my family name. Anyways, um, <laughs> pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Damn them. God, you know what? I wouldn't doubt it, though, because the the author of those um uh i think it was the author of those books um pretty much stole like a bunch of like fan fi- like fiction stuff like they were a part of like i think she was part of some like group where they'd like write like fan theories about stuff or whatever well i i don't know no i've actually heard that uh 50 shades of gray started out as a twi- twilight oh, fan fight yeah never yeah. Yeah, that's a, a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've heard about that. That that like that, that story was like a weird like fan fiction of like, <laughs> and then it just kind of whatever scratch scratch it. That was totally stupid. But, uh... <laughs> but either way, she stole my family name. Anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yes. <clears throat> so, um, this this movie, um, it. It's it's pretty cool because I mean it deals with uh, it's uh, I mean it takes place at a graduation party, a lot like a lot of like you know, eighties movies and stuff, and then um, it's basically dealing with a lot of stereotypes though, but still, <laughs> yeah, it was very dated. I noticed that about like, it wasn't like lampshading either it wasn't like winking at it like it was like we weren't really conscious of like, yeah. the fact that like the whole like basically like the whole like Jennifer Love Hewitt character is like pretty much like she pretty much like exists like to be someone's love interest like they like, got their whole she has no personality life. whatsoever in the movie yeah yeah she doesn't know like there's no offense to Jennifer Love Hewitt but it's just like her character is very like uh just like a blank slate like even mm-hmm. how she looked like, she's not smiling or frowning. It's just, like, a blank, like, you know. I mean, at least we have Lauren Ambrose's character to actually have a female character who had a personality. The, yeah. um, you know, the, the um, what was her character's name? The, uh, um, Denise. The, yeah. Yeah, De- Denise, yeah, she she's, like, kind of like the, like, <clears throat> I don't know what you call her. It's like the the person is not really a part of any kind of tribe in high school at all. She's just like her own yeah. person, like, and she kind of like she kind of has like elements of like a bunch of different various like alternative like cliques, but she's not part of any of them herself. Like she's just her own, you know, her own person. Yeah, like most people really are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I mean that's what I'm saying because I mean there are cliques in high school. Don't get me wrong. Um, I belong to a couple myself, but the thing is, it was just kind of well, mainly one. But um, I was a, <laughs> I was a theater nerd. But um, the uh, the whole thing, it's like basically you know, 
within those groups, people have their own personalities. It's not like everybody that's a theater nerd is exactly the same or everybody that's a goth is exactly the same or everybody that's a, you know, jock is exactly the same. You know, it's just kind of people have personalities. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But Jennifer Love Hewitt's character didn't. Um. Anyways. <laughs> no, she didn't. She just. She's didn't. like the, the least developed character in the whole movie. It's all about her, yeah. I mean, kind of in a way. I mean, it's really about Preston, but it's it's revolves yeah. around his again kind of creepy obsession because I mean, I think about it. You know, he been obsessed with this one girl. Like this movie was made right now. Like this could have been like some really like scary like incel story. Like, oh yeah, have gone a whole different way. <laughs> like you know, like well, well, it's it's like a um. It's like I was listening to, um, I think it was, oh, who was it? I can't remember. There was a stand-up who was talking about it. He was talking about how you hear all these, like, stories about how your uh, grandparents met. And it's like, well, I, I waited outside that bus stop for your grandma for 100 days and asked her to marry me every day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, right now you would call the cops on that guy. But, exactly. but people look back on that as a romantic story. But it's like, yeah, you basically willed your grandmother into submission to <laughs> it's scary you think about well most of us probably been well most of us have literally would not have been here without you know rape or incest or it's just fucking scary <laughs> i know and you wonder why the world's so messed up well this is like all the sins of the past are upon us <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> I mean, they need to get all bleak there, but... But it's very true. I mean, but there are a lot... I, I do hear a lot of those stories. It's like, you know, I, I, I worked with your grandmother, and, you know, every day I, I would I would buy her a Hershey's Kiss, and then, you know, she kept saying, no, I don't like you, and then one day she just kind of gave in and said, yeah, let's get married. Yeah. And then you're uh... like, yeah, that's kind of creepy. Grandpa, thanks. Um. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of this uh, joke that John Stewart, you know, from the Daily Show once said, where he was talking about like how like you know like his his grandfather never really you know spoke that much or whatever. So like whenever you know they'd be like having like family dinners or whatever, and he wanted to say something like you know everyone would like get really quiet you know because you know they think he's gonna like you know tell some profound story or whatever he'd just be like you, you know the Chinese are really sneaky he's like oh god like no <laughs> it's like okay oh uh, grandpa you're so cute wait no. it's like, yeah, it's like okay let's, let's, uh, let's go back so, you know. yeah uh, that's why grandpa stays quiet all the time <laughs> yeah exactly sakes you know anyway yeah so Good, good movie though. Good movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good for what it is, but there really isn't a lot of character development on a lot of these yeah. characters. I mean, because like basically, all, most of the characters are pretty one note. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just my, you know, honest opinion. I mean, I love the movie, but it's just you know, it, it's a movie of its time. Definitely, I mean, Preston's kind of a one note character, even though he's the main one. Um, you got the. You know, you got the stereotypical, you know, white guy who, quote, thinks he's black, which in of itself is kind of racist because you're assuming that all black people talk the way that he's imitating, you know, so it's like, yeah. it's like wait, what are you saying then? Because that's kind of whatever. And then, uh, 
And then you got him and his his two buddies who are just like so obnoxious about it. Like uh, at one point though, they do drop the the N bomb, and then like the black people chase him away. So that was nice. Yeah, at least they had that. Yeah, at least they had that. <laughs> well, they they didn't do the hard R, but it doesn't really matter. Oh, Still, <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, it doesn't matter. Really. At least they had a commentary not, not, on it, sorta. Yeah, a little bit. Um, the the record scratched that whole thing, you know, like yeah. Really, <laughs> then you have your stereotypical nerds. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they love their Star Trek and their Star Wars. Which is funny. Much... Still, which is funny because now everybody loves Star Trek and Star Wars. But anyways, we'll just... Like... <laughs> well, that's, that's that's the Big Bang fact. This was pre-Big Bang. And it was pretty much that's that's what that show was, was those three guys. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and it's just... Oh god, I hate that show. Anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> screw you for making me think of it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, the, but it, it's, it, they um, you know, like even in the credits, like they, they obviously know that they're doing stereotypical people because people are named things like X File Guy One. <laughs> X-File right. Guy 2, <clears throat> Girlfriend 1, Girlfriend 2, Girlfriend 3, <clears throat> Jock 1, right. Jock 2, you know, things like that. It's like, there's a, I mean, there's even a character in the credits named Ready to Have Sex Girl. <laughs> and then the other one is Ready to Have Sex Girl's Friend. <clears throat> no, that's kind of cool. So, a little bit of self awareness. Yeah, I didn't get. I didn't catch that. I mean, I did catch the X Files <laughs> thing, but I thought that was because that's that's like what they were mainly were talking about. Well, yeah, X Files. Yeah, when they were. It's just funny. I'm I'm just reading the credits here right now on Wikipedia, and it's just that's what they are. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old X Files. I missed that show. That was really popular during that time. Yeah. That was right before it went off the air. I mean, like a couple years or so before it did. Yep. I mean, there was even the line at one point where he's where where the the two nerdy guys say to, um, to Charlie Carson, William. yeah, William, yeah. his character, uh, yeah. um, that that you know you kind of look like David Duchovny in this light. <laughs> he just kind of like he's like so like uh, he feels so like heartwarmed by that. It's just kind of yeah. bad. He's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good character. That's a good character, though. He's kind of a one-note character, but he's a little bit more in-depth, a little bit, though. He at least has some development in there because he, you know, even yeah. though even though it's kind of giving you the message that to be cool, you got to drink. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the more I think of this movie, oh. Matt, I mean, I love it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, that's what we do. We're picking it apart, but that's what, what we do. do. I mean, we're not. I mean, anyone could just read Wikipedia and read a description. That's you know. Yeah. Uh, here we get the the colorful commentary from Mike and Matt. So, yes. Who are they again? I don't know. Some some guys. Okay. When 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 do they start speaking? They start speaking um, when the group of Italian businessmen offered to sell them half an emerald mine. Oh, sorry. That's that's a different podcast. Uh, oh, okay. Behind the bastards, yo. Sorry. Anyways, I was to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I, I want to make sure that I was that was from Behind the Bastards. I don't want to take credit for 
Yes. For that. <clears throat> Robert Evans, you're our hero. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> no, um, the, uh, so yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, I don't think we have to like go through the plot of this movie because it's kind of <clears throat> like we do normally, you know, because they, if you've seen I the mean, movie, we... you kind of do, but we, you know, you already we, know it. We can just take about 30 seconds. Basically, Preston, you know, he, he, he was late for school one day. And then that was the day that she came to school for the first time. She like transferred from like a different school or whatever. And he, he thinks it's like a sign from God or whatever, because he was never late to school before or after. And they were both eating the same pop tart, the same flavor. And somehow he thought that that meant like they were fated to, to be together. And it never which, happened. Because... Which was like, I think a strawberry frosted pop tart, which is like probably the most popular flavor. Exactly. It'd be one thing if it was like the really shitty, like um, cinnamon or yeah, or something. Some like weird that. one. Yeah, but brown sugar, kind, like the worst possible kind. Well, like, even those yeah. sell well. Um, the uh, people uh, like those for some reason. I don't. But oh, I mean, yeah. I only like I, I, I only like strawberry and chocolate. But yeah, the uh, but I mean, like it, it would be like if they got one of these like you know weird. Uh, limited edition flavors or something but no they were both eating probably the most popular pop tart in the world right yeah strawberry yep. frosted yep. yeah both um you know both both frosted and strawberry and then <laughs> he he was he, the teacher you know asks if anyone would like to volunteer you know to basically like give her like a tour of the school and he was gonna raise his hand but then mike dexter like the big jog he gets put first, so there you go. It's the whole plot of all oh, the jocks always get the girls before the nerds, ah, oh, you know, type of thing. And yeah, they they dated for all high school, but then he broke up with her right before graduation because he wants to he wants to be single while he's in college, so he can sleep her with any woman that he he wants to, basically. And um, and Preston's idea is that he's gonna. And deliver a fucking letter that he's been revising since freshman year in high school, which again is really creepy. Uh, and yeah. hopes that she'll read it, and then she'll want to like at least, at the very least, go on like one date with them or something like that. Because he, because he is, even though he is creepy, he's still, he's still genuinely a nice guy. Like he's he's not the nice guy that will like turn on you if you say no. Like he he is sincere. He won't. He won't like you know, change personalities like you know. I don't know. His character wasn't really well developed, so we don't know. <laughs> exactly. We don't know. <laughs> exactly. Maybe he would have. I don't know. There's <laughs> an alternate alternate timeline where where you know Jennifer Love Hewitt ends up in his trunk of his car or something. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The horror version of this movie. <laughs> Hardly waged. That's got his drone music in the background. Can't <laughs> hardly wait. <laughs> Never worked because then that would have led into I Know He Did Last Summer, which she starred in the next summer. And then, oh, yeah. There you go. That would be, that'd be a continuum right there. So I wonder if there's anybody out there. Like, I think you could take clips from this movie and recut a trailer for it as a horror movie. I'm sure you could. I mean, 
They did it for Mrs. Outfire. Yeah, (laughs) I I might do that sometime. But if anybody else wants to do that and share it with us, please do. Or if you know of anybody that's already done it, please share it with us. I would love to see that. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Please. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, basically, yeah. And then, I mean, the plot goes from there where uh, he's trying to, you know, trying to give her this letter. Then what else happens here, Matt? I'm trying to. I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, you're good. A lot of stuff happens. A lot of filler stuff. Um, well, I mean, there, there's a, there's a couple B plots, but like you got like the, uh, you got um, oh, what's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, Jesse, um, Seth Green's character. I forgot his name. Uh, oh, uh, Scott Kenny, Kenny, right? Yeah, yeah Ken- Kenny, Kenny Fisher. Yeah, Kenny Fisher. So he's. He's he's determined to to have sex um, before college, so it's like it's kind of like a super bad thing, but it's just his his B plot. Um, and he's um, you know he 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 kind of thinks he's all that, all that, or he just pretends to think he is to impress people. And um, he's not having any luck. And his right when he's about to, his buddies show up, and he wants to pretend like he's just chilling out. It's not not too desperate, so. You know, they kind of they kind of you know bust his balls a little bit, so then he just walks away from them, and then he's kind of kind of sulking in his in a chair, and then he overhears this this woman, uh, you know, student, talk about that she heard a rumor that her boyfriend uh, cheated on her, so she was she was gonna sleep with the next guy who even talked to her, not not even hit on her. So then he, yeah, I believe that was ready to have sex, girl. That's probably what. Yeah, that's probably who it was. Ready to have. I bet you that's what it was. And um, who, who, who it was? Yeah, not what it was. Oh, okay, that's, that's yeah, that's it was. It was uh, Nicole uh, Bilderback is the actress's name. Just okay, to, just want to give yeah. her credit as a real name. Exactly. Yeah, as a real person with yeah. with uh, hearts and yeah, exactly. And, uh, so he, of course, for comedic effect, like you know, Chevy Chase falls off his chair. Way right after she says that, and he, you know, jumps up and he's like trying to be all, you know, suave or whatever and impressive, and and you know she's like, you know, he, she's crying and stuff, and he's like, well, what, what can I do to stop you from crying? You're too beautiful to cry, all that kind of bullshit. So she's like, can you meet me by the pool house? And he's like, sure, but he wants to go to the bathroom to like make sure because he's got his whole like pleasure chest in his backpack that he's got like candles and. You know, with all this kind of stuff. So he wants to, like, you know, basically, like, prepare. And right, at, right after he leaves, you know, he'll, he'll do, you know, to her friend. <laughs> and then he's, yeah, he's trying to get, basically, and here's the, the where the the B-plot comes in, is where he was, he's trying to go to the bathroom before this happens and prepare himself. And he uh, ends up going to the upstairs bathroom after being allowed to by the host of the party. And uh, then he he's in there, and then at some point, uh, Warren Ambrose's character of um, why do I keep forgetting the character's name? Um, oh, Denise Denise uh, runs in there, and then shuts the door behind her, and the 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 door handle breaks off. So then they're locked in there together. Yeah, and hilarity ensues. It's, it's the no. bottle episode part portion of the film. Uh, you know, they're they're yeah they're stuck together. 
And of course, we find out that they used to be friends when they were kids. So this this is like a conflict resolution type of um, you know aspect. Yeah, probably the most <laughs> most character development in the whole film. Yeah, it is actually. I'm, I'm kind of making fun of it, but it's like the only time we actually hear anything like you know emotional or just something that's like you know of a personal nature. And we find out that Kenny, you know, actually was kind of like a just like a a nice kid, you know, when he was younger, he was, you know, he was, he had a good heart and stuff, but, you know, when they went to junior high, he wanted to be cool, so he kind of just ditched her, you know, because she was, like, smart and, you know, nerdy or whatever, and didn't want to be associated with her. And he was trying to be cool, and really just became a, uh, white guy trying to act like he was stereotypical black. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's what she calls him out on that. And he's like, starts, starts kind of reverting back to, you know, his, his normal self or who he was, you know, before, <clears throat> which, you know, it's not easy, you know, because like when you, you know, when a person that like, crafts a persona for themselves, they, they do it long enough. That does kind of become a part of them even though it was, like, unnatural to begin with, like, now oh, yeah. it becomes natural, <laughs> you know? I mean, this isn't my real voice, so I don't know what you're, you know. It's not? No, I've, I've crafted this voice over 40-some uh, years. It's, uh, my my real voice is uh, more, uh, more like this. My name is no, Mark, okay. but I, I had to change it. Because I, this just sounds weird. Like... <laughs> Sean Connery? Um, sure. <clears throat> sure, sure, sure. Oh, m- money penny. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no. Um, but no, I mean, I know how it is. I mean, it's kind of like one of that thing, that thing where, uh, you, uh, you either create a persona or, like, if you, if you're hanging out with somebody for a while, eventually you start to talk like them. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, so then you become that way and then that's just who you are. <laughs> For a while, exactly. but until you get around to other people, and then you're like, "Wait, that's not me." I'm talking like that dude I was hanging out with this weekend, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. But yeah, they they basically end up uh, talking things out, and then eventually, um, he drops his persona. Uh, they both apologize for all the shit that they've done to each other over the years, and. Uh, kind of end up getting it on. Let's get it on. <laughs> getting on. Yeah, very, very awkward. Which again, though, this, you know, it is it's sincere. It's it, realistic. It, it, it was, yeah. It was, it was very realistic. It was, it was, you know, it looked like, you know, like, oh, there's actually is some, some kind of character development in this movie. Then it ends and then they go back to, you know, um, William or whoever is getting drunk and, yeah, at one at one point William becomes kind of like the life of the party because he is like a free spirit now because of all the alcohol he's drawing. And uh, so the the band that was going to be there, by the way, the band was hilarious. Just another um, C plot or whatever. Um, <clears throat> they, 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 they they never they play. <laughs> yeah, they never they break up before they even play because of creative differences. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you have uh, Donald Faison and um, um, Breckenmeyer, 
are in that band. Yeah. Yeah. Reckon Meyer, who is married to one of the uh one of the screenwriter and co directors of this film. Awesome. Yeah. And also a nineties actor from that era. You yeah. know, you saw him in a lot of stuff during that time. Um yeah. Rat Race. Well that was kind of later, but Yeah. <clears throat> and um yeah, both both uh both Brecken Meyer and uh Donald Faison were in Clueless. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um as was um shoot uh no no never mind. I was I was I I thought um I thought the woman from Mom <laughs> was in um Clueless, but I don't think she was. No. Okay. And she's not in this either. <laughs> She was one of the, like the rich, the rich lady from mom is in this movie, like the blonde woman who's like, um, she's like, she's sober. She's oh yeah. The... Her. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought you meant the mean actress. I thought you meant Alan. No, you probably listed girlfriend two or girlfriend three. Or yeah. Whatever. She was left. Uh, yeah. Jamie, Jamie Presley. Who, yeah, you got Jamie Presley. who was also on, uh, my name is Earl for years and stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, Joe dirt. Can't forget that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can. You can. Yeah. I have. I actually like that movie. I like the first one, not the second one. I couldn't even watch all the second one. It was too terrible. I, I never even started the second one. Um, it, it was bad. I couldn't get past like 15 minutes of it. Maybe we should car- cover it for the podcast sometime. Maybe uh, we should. <laughs> yeah, if you'd like us to, please uh, message us and let us know. Yeah. If you want to just message us at all, because I'm I'm lonely, um, just message me. <laughs> just just send a message. Yeah, I message you all the time. I know you do. I'm just saying, you know, come on, fans, message me. I'll send it off to Matt too. You know, just just message me. It's Mike at CullenPark.com. You know, just yeah, we'll do a like a CC conversation. You know, like we'll yeah, just, uh, yeah. Just <laughs> you know, we'll 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 talk to you. Yeah, you know. The world's, we'll a, it out. the world's a lonely place, Matt. It is so lonely. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> so so uh, yeah, um, yeah. William at one point gets up on on the stage then, and he starts singing, uh, um, "Welcome to the Jungle." No, Paradise City. Oh, Paradise City. That's right. Why am I thinking Welcome to the Jungle? Yeah, anyways, I mean, the same band. They're both, but yeah. They're both hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was sing, singing Paradise City by GNR. <laughs> Guns and Roses for the uninformed. Um, <laughs> just letting you know. Um, the, uh... So, yeah, the... Yeah, so that's basically what happens there and then uh <laughs> he gets up there yeah he makes out with a, like two or three women at once i think because they all for some reason they didn't really quite explain why well they did it later on because they were like measuring his his uh genitalia area from his pant outline but that was even before that they were like they didn't really explain like why were they suddenly obsessed with this guy that was whatever okay i don't think they thought that one through but whatever and, uh, <laughs> now there's uh yeah i mean it was 
it's just, uh, I don't know. It was interesting, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, but anyways, yeah, they, they, the, so, so that, and then eventually he ends up, uh, kind of befriending that night, um, Mike Dexter, who he, he had right, gone, forgot. oh yeah, he, he had gone to the party with his nerdy friends and they were waiting for him up on top of the pool house to attack Mike Dexter and then, um, take Polaroids of him with one of his friends naked after they chloroformed him. Yes. Kind of a a homophobic type of undertone of, you know. Yes. Like, you know, oh, I think you picture with a guy. (laughs) Get it? Like, you know. Yeah. 98. (laughs) Yeah, and, oh, yeah, um, back to the, um, when they were singing, something I noticed, when, when, I mean, when, when, uh, when William was singing, there's a there's a line that he's he's singing along with the song. It, it's from the song. It goes, "Captain America has been torn apart. Now he's a court gesture with a broken heart." Um, right when that happens, they cut to the girls that are like obsessed with him in the crowd. The one girl is wearing a Captain America shirt. <laughs> wow! Like it's a shirt with the shield on it. Oh, okay. I don't know if that was intentional, but I just noticed it and I thought it was interesting. Probably it could have been or it could have not been either. Yeah, it depends. Just a coincidence, <laughs> and it might not even be a Captain America shield, but it looks just like the shield. It's the star yeah. with star with the circles around it and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so only a nerd like me would notice that. But um, <laughs> so yeah um, yeah. But anyways, it ends up being that uh, William and Mike both get chloroformed by the guys. <laughs> And uh, the Polaroid's taken of them, and then they realize, wait, that's our friend. Right. This, oh, this is after the party's been broken up by cops. Yeah, of course, the obligatory cop scene, you know. Because every party that you have in high school gets broken up by cops. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, we got to break up all these house parties. We got a long, we got a long night ahead of us. Every party. Every party. It's a lot of parties. It's a lot. Yep. Good times, man. I mean, I remember all those parties I went to in high school. Wait, I can't lie. I didn't go to a lot of parties in high school. They were just like... (laughs) (laughs) They were mostly cast parties for plays I was in. Um, I I went to like maybe one... I wouldn't even call it a party. It was more of a (laughs) get-together than so much of a party. (laughs) Yeah, but all those cast parties I went to, you know, the cops never came. Um, no, <laughs> no. Especially since most of the cast parties I went to, the parents were there, and they were just we were just hanging out in their basements and stuff, and <laughs> nothing, you know, <laughs> nothing going on. Um, you kids, yeah, we were just hanging out in the basement, you know, drinking orange soda. It was nothing, you know. <laughs> So, you know, it's just the way it goes. <laughs> right. The way it goes. So, um. I know why I did that. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Um, so, yeah. If you'd like to buy the soundtrack to our show, <laughs> give us money. Yeah, give us money to record it. Um, anyways, yeah, um, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go to our Patreon. Um, the, uh, 
So the uh, the number, um, I mean, the, the the next thing that happens basically is um, party's over. It's the next morning. <clears throat> I didn't miss anything else, did I? I mean, besides that, I mean, there was a there was a run through joke with Melissa Joan Hart trying to get everybody to sign her yearbook, but um, that was but also too. Um, we're we're forgetting a few things. Um, for one thing, uh, he uh, okay, so Preston, he's going to um, you know, give Amanda the letter, right? But right at the moment, he's going to give it to her. Amanda's cousin like forces himself upon her and kisses her, but he thinks that she's making out with this guy. So then he like leaves the party, and then he's gonna go and he's listening to the radio, and uh. It says like it's uh, Barry Manilow's birthday, and that's why you know they're they're playing the song all the time. So he kind of feels sad that it wasn't like a sign from God. I'm like, really? What you really thought was a sign from God? But anyway, so um, but then the DJ's like, didn't you know that's how God works? Yeah, apparently God actually God owns all the airwaves. (laughs) Actually, is that a song? Is that a song lyric or not? No, but it should be. Oh, okay, I was gonna say that actually sounds like a good song. Weird, but I got. But um, but anyway, um, <clears throat> that reminds me that there actually is a um, a quasi spiritual. You, you might, because you, I know you like to research cults and stuff. You might, you might like this. It's a group called Ekenkar, um, E C K, um, E N K A R or something like that. I forgot how to spell it. And um, it was it was like popular in the seventies or whatever and stuff. They're not they're not really big now, but like one of their things was like like told like its members to kind of like like basically to kind of see every every type of coincidence as though it was like some like metaphysical sign. So like like if you hear like the same song on the radio two days in a row that like meant something like you know or like the the moment you turn on the radio and that particular song lyric. You know, like all this kind of stuff, like that. So, like, huh? You know, that's kind of what he was doing. He was basically practicing this. Why am I? I'm like getting too obscure here in this podcast. Uh, it's, it's okay, but, Matt. It's all right. Um, I mean, we're talking about can't hardly wait. I'm talking about fucking Ekin Car. <laughs> it's the nat- it's a natural. Problem. But anyway, it is for me. <laughs> for how Any, anytime, works. anytime you talk about a '90s movie, you end up talking about a a, a random cult. Because like oh, yeah, you know, or, yeah. Every time I talk, every time I talk about you know clerks, somehow I end up talking about the Source family. I mean, it's just this weird thing right. that it's, <laughs> the... as one does. You know? Yeah. Wait. What? Uh, what? I really need to buy the emerald mine though. I gotta get rich so I yeah. can just study gold. <laughs> so um, yeah. The um, the whole uh. I don't know. Like basically, though, he he has this letter. You know, obviously, he ends up throwing it away after she after he sees her being molested by her cousin in a teen comedy <laughs> through marriage. Marriage. Still, <laughs> I know that's what he said. Oh God, you're not gonna tell my parents about this, are you? Like, well, yeah, maybe. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, so so then he he ends up throwing the throwing the letter away in the trash out front. Mm. Um, there was that 
um, Melissa Joan Hart's character's yearbook got thrown away, so she went out into the trash to look for the yearbook. Ends up training on fate <laughs> by doing this. The the letter falls out of the trash. Somebody has gum on their shoe and it sticks to that, and then it gets stuck to a beer keg, and then eventually it lands into a snack bowl in front of Amanda, Jennifer uh-huh. Hewitt's character, like it does, you know? Like, like it does. Yep. And uh, the soundtrack to that, too, they're playing Smash Mouth, um, uh, Walking on the Sun, or not Walking, um, yeah, is that what it's called? Walking on the Sun? Maybe I don't. I, I don't remember the my, part. <laughs> yeah, that's the thought. The the, in, the instrumental. Not, not, not oh, okay, gotcha. Instrumental, and it's just kind of. I like that though because that that music really fits with like that whole that whole scene. I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, seeing what the letter getting getting um getting back to Amanda and she's just sitting there, you know, doing her thing, pouting with her arms crossed because the director is like, "All right, we're just gonna let you." be seen and not heard this movie so you know <laughs> that's what we're paying you for so it's you know it's Hollywood for you it's you know <laughs> and we're gonna put you as the main character on the poster um yeah yeah, yeah exactly <clears throat> so yeah they uh yeah so, so eventually she finds that letter and then is going to look for Preston and Asks around everybody if they know who Preston is. Talks to a couple of uh, stoned guys. A young Jason Seagull before Freaks and Geeks and before, you know. <clears throat> yeah, maybe right around the same time as Freaks and Geeks because that was right around mm-hmm. right around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's also after uh, SLC Punk, I think. Or right before it. Right around the same time. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're uh they're basically talking about, you know, that he's a he's a guy with hair who's kinda tall. He <laughs> sometimes wears t shirts. <laughs> I love that that scene. <laughs> it's like he's like, you know, he's kind of kind of tall, you know, right? Can, she's like, All right, so he's kind of tall. He's, he's sort of tall. He's like, Kind of. <laughs> like, he has to correct her. Like, no, that's sort of. He's kind of tall. Come on, you got to understand. <laughs> you to, he's a pothead conversation. <laughs> yeah, that... So, so she goes looking for him, and then, uh... While she's looking for him, Mike tries to get back together with her after having a conversation with, uh... Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> in a cameo role. <laughs> Yep, Slider's fame, and as well as, you know, a bunch of other cool shit. Stand By Me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, um, Scream 2? Yeah. Or was it Scream 3? No, I forgot which one. Was Scream 3? He was in 2, I think. He was 2, okay, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of- and then, uh, also, you know, he was in Jerry Maguire, you know, different things. Right. Married to Rebecca Romaine. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's cool. Formerly Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Oh, that that one. Yeah. So he he uh you know <clears throat> he stole a girl from John Stamos. 
Not too many wow. guys can say that. Say that. <laughs> I, I, I like it when you. I like it when you mention what when a guy is married to a famous woman. You know, because usually it's the other way around. We're like, oh, she's married to yeah, you know, so like, like that's her whole identity. You you flip C man like just like the, the the spider movie. Like you're like a you're like a pro feminist man, and you flip it on its head. Like no, he's married to Rebecca Romaine. To right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Who who people know from the X Men movies and uh, and um, Star Trek Discovery and uh, the librarians and other things. She's librarians, yeah. Yes, I still gotta pick it. I gotta check that show out. I've never seen it. It's good. I need, to, I, need to, I need to finish it. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, so yeah, and that was one of the other cameos though. Though is Jerry O'Connell. Um, he plays like this washed up, like. Uh, football star or whatever, this popular guy who who's a freshman in college. Did, he did the same thing that um, Mike Dexter did. He broke up with his girlfriend because he wanted to be free or whatever. And he's basically like the cautionary tales, like this is what happens, you know? <laughs> yeah, because because that's how it happens. Wait. Yep. <laughs> that's the other thing too. So like you you know if 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 you don't have a girlfriend, then your life is just completely shit which again that's kind of like a stereotype because then that kind of like on the one hand that kind of makes men like look like really sloppy but like in a really weird insidious way it also kind of still puts women in like the role of caretaker like oh well they'll fall apart without me so i need to drop everything to you know take care of this guy or whatever like interesting uh little tidbit though uh jerry o'connell is younger than peter fashionelli Oh really? Wow! Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like a year, but still. <laughs> well, they probably made a book like drunk and just kind of unkempt yeah. and yeah. Well, know, they, like... well, they they were all uh, you know everybody was like in their twenties back then, anyways, playing teenagers. So right, exactly. it's not a single teenager in this movie, I'm sure. So um, <laughs> the only one that looked like it could have been a teenager was Jennifer Love. Who he would buy? I don't think she was either at that time. Probably not. Probably not. She was. It was ninety eight. Was yeah. there a first movie? No, she's she was in a. She she has been acting since she was like child, I think. Oh okay. She was. Yeah, no, she started back in eighty nine on the TV series Kids Incorporated on Disney Channel. <laughs> okay. And then she was in you know like Party of Five and. Uh... Yeah. Oh she, okay. Yeah. She she's done a lot I mean her first movie was Dance Workout with Barbie <laughs> in 1992 wow and then she was in a movie called Munchie Munch. yeah then in 93 <laughs> she was in Sister Act 2 she was in the movie House Arrest. We got to watch that for the podcast. Have you ever seen the movie House, House Arrest? Arrest? Wait, she was in House Arrest. Wait. Yeah. Uh, shoot, what, what is that movie about? That sounds familiar. What it's, is that? It's about him. It's a movie where basically uh, these kids kidnap their parents. Yeah, <clears throat> I remember that movie. Yeah, and it, yeah. Take, it takes place in Defiance, Ohio. Um, I can imagine that's, that town sucks. <laughs> <laughs> But it's all it's it's also it's also a term you know basically I think it's a play on the fact that it's defiance defiant yeah right I'm sorry I didn't mean to be I, I just driven through there a few times there's like nothing yeah there's like there's like a there's a 
some fast food restaurants. And, you know, like, yeah, and, and I know what you did last summer was the same year as this movie, though, too. Anyways. Oh, okay. Yeah. They do have a Captain D's, though, fish place, so that that's cool. Because they don't have Captain D's here anymore in Toledo. That pissed me off. So if you want Captain D's, you can go to Defiance if you live, like, in the Ohio, you know, northwest area. Take about an hour to get there, but you get yourself some Captain D's, so... There's that. Sorry. Or you could just eat something else. Anyways, um <laughs> I'm so positive. Anyways, um I don't like seafood. So um the the um anyways, uh back to the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There is no Captain D's in the movie either, so No, I'm not there's a there's a restaurant, but it's kind of like a big boy knockoff called Johnny's or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's where they hang out at, you know, the, mm-hmm. the next morning. So basically anyways, that, that letter ends up getting to, uh, oh, 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 oh yeah. Wait, um, Peter Fessionelli's character, Mike Dexter tries to get back together with, uh, Julia. I'm with that, with that, with Jennifer Love Hewitt's. I almost said Julia Louis Dreyfus. That's different. <laughs> they're different people. Amanda. They're different people, yeah. right? No, which... <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very much different people. <laughs> <laughs> they, they both have like maybe three 20, names. 20. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, and he tries to get back together with her, and uh, she basically just tells him off in front of everybody. <clears throat> And then, you know, a very insensitive thing, which I had to rewind to make sure I heard some random girl in the crowd yells out fag. Yeah, everyone cheers and laughs at that. It's like, ah, he's gay because yeah. he yeah, tried to get back with his girlfriend and she said no, so that makes him gay. That's how it works. Huh? That's how it like, works. I, like, I, like, I didn't understand the logic of that That's... in that, I mean, it's still a bad word no matter what. But I just don't even understand. Like, I don't get it. Like, you know. Well, well, it's like uh, I think it was. Um, Kumail Nanjiani was talking about like when he was in high school, he had like a uh, backpack that was kind of pink. But uh, so because he had this pinkish backpack, everybody called him gay. Okay. And and his response was, "It's not pink. It's salmon." And somehow that made him more gay, um, right. in their in their eyes. He knows <laughs> the exact, but, yeah. but yeah, but that's just the way kids are. They just, yeah, you know, they are. <laughs> I mean, I had blonde, blonde, natural blonde highlights in my hair, and kids in grade school called me fogey, like old fogey, because they thought it was gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> This is when I was in like the seventh grade or sixth grade or something, you know. So it's just how kids are. I'm not bitter about that at all. Wow. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's they called me old fogey, Matt. That's such a weird. Like, I know. That's like what an old fogey would do would call someone a fogey. Like, yeah, know? that's what they called me. They would just call me fogey. And I'd just be like, what the fuck? 
fuck are you talking? I had people that would tell me weird shit too. I don't even remember half of it anymore, but it was like, like where do you guys come up with this stuff? <laughs> like, they don't get it. But uh, yeah, so they call him the F word, then they all laugh. But also, too, we're forgetting when when um, Preston, he, he's going to go try to call um, Barry Manilow on, uh, from the DJ, from the radio station, because he wants to ask him what the meaning of Mandy is, because Denise told him it was about his dog. Yeah, and he has so he a wants to ra- make- random, random encounter with uh, an angel. Yeah. Uh, Played by um, uh, shoot, what's her name? Um, Jenna Elfman. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. from Deborah and Greg at that time and uh, around that time. Yes. <clears throat> who is who? Who is only uh, a couple years older than Peter Facinelli? I just right. I just had to point that out. <laughs> uh, I mean, it looked it looked like it. Yeah. Yeah. She's a she's a dancer. You know, he calls her a stripper. She corrects him and says that she's a dancer. And, uh, and of course, you know, again, it's late 90s, but I, I didn't, I, I do notice this shit now as I watch older movies of like, like, like what character is centered and like whose, whose needs are centered more than others type of thing. So, like, and, you know, that just, just could be just me just getting older and growing up a little bit. But, like, so, like, you know, she had a really bad night at the club. I mean, like, yeah. 40 men were groping, groping her, grabbing her butt, which, again, you know, just because you're at a strip club doesn't mean that you just do whatever you want. There there are rules, and, uh, you know, they just decided that there there weren't any rules, you know, when it came to her. And so she just wanted to go home, and her car broke down, and and he's, he's making the whole thing about himself, and then... You know, she says one little thing about, you know, that kind of, you know, upsets him. And then he, like, you know, becomes all sad and like, oh, uh, you're right, I am a total loser. And then she then has to, like, you know, basically, like, you know, secure him. You know, it's like, objectively, she's got the worst, you know, night going on. Yeah, but, it, but I mean, in, in all fairness, the movie's about him. I'm not yeah, trying true. to, I'm not trying to downplay a woman's plight because I honestly think that that's important but what i'm saying is maybe she's having her own little movie somewhere yeah true <laughs> and this is just a yeah, side scene in her movie, movie. <laughs> yeah i know side scene exactly yeah, yeah yeah i don't know but but anyways uh she basically tells him you know sets him straight about love and stuff like that and tells him to go out and get barry manilow and um yeah yeah i love that part you go call barry manilow and tell him how you feel <laughs> Yeah, because she had a crush on Scott Bayo. Yeah, which is unfortunate um, for how he turned out to be. But <laughs> yeah, Kevin Spacey, Scott Bayo. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure Kevin Spacey's worse than. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that too. Just because Scott Bayo likes Trump doesn't mean he's a he's he's, he's worse. He's than not a pedophile. A he's not a he's not an accused pedophile like uh Kevin Spacey. Right. So I'm just gonna... right, exactly. <laughs> just yeah. want to make that clear. I'm not suck, but... Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I don't think I don't but but actually no wait. He did get accused what? of Yeah, anyway. So Oh, he did. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. yeah, he Oh, yeah, you're right. He did get accused of some stuff when he was on Charles in charge. Oh shit. From when he was. Yeah. 
by uh, Nicole Eggert. So, anyways, um, I thought, well, fuck you, Scab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And these are all accusations, people. I'm not saying any of this is true about either Kevin or, right. or Scott. So, yeah. um, so yeah, the um, but but anyways, uh, basically, he just he ends up letting it go basically in the end because he comes back to the party and tries to tell her how he feels because she's looking for Preston. But at this point, every guy at the party is trying to sleep with her. Right. Because that's what you do right after somebody breaks up with their boyfriend. Of course, if it's Amanda Becker, of course, apparently. Well, yeah. <clears throat> um, Somehow. Well, it is Jennifer Love Hewitt in the 90s. She was like one of my f- first crushes. Anyways, um, not first, probably one of my major crushes in high school. But uh, the... um. <laughs> But yeah, <clears throat> but she has such a great personality, and um, in the movie, in this movie, yeah, this movie. <laughs> um, so basically, we've got um, him telling that, and then uh, he tells her, and then she basically just tells him off because everybody else has been trying to get with her too. So, right. Then we we fast forward a little bit. Uh, um. Kenny and Denise had sex. Um, Denise is coming to say goodbye to uh, Preston in the morning at the uh, restaurant. They say goodnight, um, get me goodbye and everything, and he makes fun of her for getting with uh, Kenny. Huh. Uh, he leaves to go to the go to the bus station because he's gonna head off to. Uh, go somewhere to meet Kurt Vonnegut. And, uh, then, uh, Amanda Becker meets him at the bus station. And, uh, they, they kiss and they get together. And everything <clears throat> is happily ever after and the two nerds get, um, beamed up into space. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, somehow, and then... Like it happens in these movies. Yeah, this weird bond water, it happens at the... Well, at least they mentioned UFOs at one point in that movie to to make sense of it. Well, I guess they did X-Files. I guess that kind of was a... Yeah. You know, whatever, precursor or something, but... Oh, this was actually... Okay, here's some trivia about this movie that we can end things with here. This is actually the film debut of Jason Segel. Oh, did not know that. Um, so it must have been be- right before SLC Punk. Yeah, I'm assuming. Um, this was Charlie Cormos who played Williams' first and last on-screen appearance since Hook in 1991. Huh. So, yeah, he was attending MIT when he was offered the role. <clears throat> I know he went on to, like, work, I think, in politics or something. Which guy? Charlie Corsmo, who played William. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did go to MIT. Um, Melissa Joan Hart was filming Sabrina the Teenage Witch at the same time, so she had to uh, take the small part of Yearbook Girl. 
Um, she took B12 vitamins to stay energized during the all-night shoots and admits that Jennifer Love Hewitt was skeptical when she offered them to her because she was convinced they were drugs. <laughs> um, Ethan Embry claims to barely remember filming this movie because he was so stoned the whole time. <laughs> um, as I said before, Brecken Meyer is married to uh, Deborah Kaplan, one of the uh, co-writer, co-directors of the film in real life. And he is also uncredited <laughs> in the movie. He doesn't get credit for some reason. Um, the title is a reference to the song Can't Hardly Wait by the seminal 80s rock band The Replacements. Yeah. Um, um, There's no songs from them in the movie, though, is there? Are there replacements? I think they might have it at the credits. I'm not sure, though. Um, oh, okay. At one point, there's a distance shot showing someone doing flips in the party's yard. That's actually Ethan Embry. In addition to acting, he was an award-winning gymnast from a very young age. Oh, wow. Adam Hannah Bird. Adam Hannah... Han, not Hannah. Adam Han Bird um, was originally cast as William, but after a couple of days of filming was let go and replaced by Charlie Cosmo. Um, one shot of him is left in the film, but he is... Uh, carrying a ladder and his face is not visible this is the same act he was all there what's that i saw that guy no did you yeah his uh like here no yeah his um his most famous role was little man tate that actor but yeah but he hmm. just didn't work out so they replaced him um hmm. the uh the fraternity on trip mcneely that is a uh, um jerry o'connell's character's polo shirt is uh delta Iota Kappa, which is Dick. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Four of the cast members appeared on the television series Six Feet Under. Lauren Ambrose, who is one of the main actors on it. Freddie Rodriguez, Peter Facinelli, and Eric Bellafor. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Ethan Embry's character, Preston Myers, confesses to be a big fan of Kurt Vonnegut Jr. At the uh, end of the movie, um, uh, his yearbook quote is, uh, Beware of all enterprises that require new clothes by <laughs> Thoreau. Um, and this is also featured in the in Vonnegut's book, Welcome to the Monkey House. <clears throat> Stoner guy talks to watermelon guy about Velma from Scooby-Doo <laughs> and says uh, she was a hip, hip lady. In the movie Dazed and Confused, the stoner Slater says the exact same thing about Martha Washington. Wow. <clears throat> um, at one point Denise says don't look back you should never look back this is a quote from Don Henley's song Boys of Summer which was released in 1984 <laughs> wow um, the film takes place on Wednesday June 17th 1998 which is Barry Manilow's 55th birthday <laughs> uh, the um Ethan Embry has never seen the movie the whole way through and didn't even read the entire script. He only read the scenes his character appeared in. <laughs> the, um... Yeah, the, uh... What 
William Lichter was supposed to take a shot of tequila, but to maintain the PG-13 rating, they had to digitally replace the tequila glass with a lemon in post-production. Huh? Weird. I gotta rewatch that movie and see if I can notice that. Um... Yeah, this is this is actually the film debut of a Melissa Joan Hart as well. Um, yeah, um, Mar uh, Marisol Nichols appears in this movie, and she had previously played uh, the sister to Ethan Embry in Vegas Vacation the year before. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love Vegas Vacation. That's a good movie. Um, yeah. Um, Stoner Guy makes reference to Velma from Scooby-Doo being underappreciated and hot, and Watermelon Guy agrees with him. Jason Siegel was actually dating Linda Cardellini at the time, who would go on to play Velma in, in the Scooby-Doo movies. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. The, um... Um, the film's the film features Blink 182's song "Damn It," and while watching this film, lead singer and bassist Mark Hoppus or Hopus, whatever it is, um, was also inspired to write um, to write the song "Going Away to College." Eh. Okay. <laughs> um, That, um, Jenna Elfman makes an uncredited cameo as the angel stripper who actually cites herself as a dancer. In real life, Elfman is a classically trained ballet dancer. <laughs> um, the, uh, Um, while filming the final scene of the party meant that there was a chaotic destruction of the house, the directors uh, gave the go-ahead to completely trash the place. This involved the cast and crew pulling out drawers, dropping food all over the floor, messing up the carpets, and someone spray-painting this party sucked on the front door. This all happened in one hour. Um, yeah, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt gave Ethan Embry a teddy bear full of breath mints for their climactic kissing scene. He says every <laughs> everyone on the set knew he uh, spent most of the time smoking pot in his trailer, and she wasn't too keen on kissing Embry, who described himself as a skunk-scented scent chimney. He said he gladly wow. used the breath mints as, as they alleviated his cotton mouth. Wow. That's hilarious. Okay. Yeah, like... I like how he was like the actual stoner in real life, but he plays like a straight laced, you know, yeah. type of dude. Yeah. That's funny. He comes off like a stoner in real life, though, so it makes sense. <laughs> oh, okay. When I've seen him interviewed. But, anyways, that's neither her nor there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, final thoughts on this movie here, Matt? I, I just think it's good. It's funny. It's a good, fun movie to watch, like with by yourself or like with some buddies or whatever uh you know you don't really have to think about it too much that's not, not really a deep movie 
in any sense of the word. Uh, it's just like, you know, it's kind of like a slice of life story, kind of like Bond Water is, but uh, more mainstream. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely not like, not like that movie. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely. I mean, I I like it. I think it's 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 a good time capsule of its time. As opposed yeah. to a time capsule of another time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, it's not, what? It's not, like, uh, it's, it's not like you know, making sandcastles and sand. You know, it's just like yeah. <laughs> or, or like how water is very wet, and um, yeah. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> the uh, um, <laughs> so yeah, the uh, yeah. I mean, I I highly recommend the movie. I think it was great. Um, um. One thing, um, you know, before we go, I've got a. I'm gonna put some uh, links. I gotta find a couple, and I mean, I already have, but I'm. By the time you listen to this, um, ways that you can uh, help out people right now. I'm gonna put them on a few of our recent episodes. Uh, pe- people out because of uh, COVID nineteen, and um, also ways that you could help out people um, that are currently protesting the. Uh, the inequality in this country right now, you know, through Black Lives Matter and things of that nature and ways to help, uh, you know, people through like the Innocence Project and things of that nature, because yeah. there's a lot of shit going on in this world. And I think that any way I can help, I, you know, I'll donate myself. But the thing is, is like, if you need, if you want to donate, please just check out the links and uh, do so. I mean, if you don't trust us, research the whatever we share of yourself and if you don't want like those, just help out, you know, some kind of charity in any way you can, just because it's a good thing to do. Yeah. So, anything else before we go, Matt? Nope. Actually, maybe I'll play. I'll play us out. Maybe Is that that yep. good. That's good with me. Okay. So this is a tuning that my youngest niece did to my guitar when she she broke in and she took my guitar and she just started she's only three years old mind you and this is what it sounds like got some interesting progressive rock type of king crimson tuning here and i was trying to write a song with it and it's um it's definitely uh definitely different it's not it's not for like mainstream ears but hopefully not too too um too grating on the ears so you need to name it after your niece i will so i'll just give this a little whirl and we'll and we'll see we'll see where it goes all right
Thank you, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to All Too Real 2 Podcast, a Cullen Park production. Produced and edited by Michael E. Cullen II. Music by Matthew Haas. Subscribe and share the show. Visit us at cullenpark.com.